So, Benson, we were talking about the Met and um, getting messages from Rachel at the same time. And so we really wanted to just devote some time to talking to her about that. And so um, Rachel Elspeth-Gross is joining us. Hi. Um, yay! Thank you. And why don't you tell our readers or our listeners, although some of them may be reading, um, yes. exactly who Rachel yada, 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 gross <laughs> Was that a question for me or for me? No, no, I'm, I'm no, Megan. Oh, we need to tell them who she is. Oh Summer, my gosh. Like she's all the things like, okay. So in my phone, she's literally listed as um, Rachel, all things fashion. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> she pops up in my phone. I'm like, I need to answer this. Um, my phone is Rachel Redress. <laughs> nice. So that's kind of um, one of the beginning projects that I saw her develop into, which was um, the Little Red Dress Project, which is a kids educational um, fashion educational project. Um, and it's got a lot of heartstrings for her. And um, I actually met her through a political um, online group of women supporting women. And um, I'm just really thankful for Lola, Lola uh, for bringing us hero. together. <laughs> and um, she's then gone on to other writing projects um, and one of the foremost being for Fashion Consulate and for her own website, um, which is rachelelspeth.com. And so you can find her historical writing there too. She's all the things. <laughs> okay. Uh, with that established, let's dive in. And uh, we, we sort of did a, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to Phone a Fashion Fiend. I know it's Phone a Fashion Friend, but today it was sort of Phone a Fashion Fiend. Um, we, you know, we sort of uh, broke down um, our opinions of Met Gala. Um, I, I stated that I don't really like best of, worst of, because some people think that something is horrible just because they don't understand it. I look at it as, uh, you know, hit, miss, brilliant, silly. Um, so we, we've talked about that, but there were a couple of things that we apparently put a period in because I understand that you may have some very strong opinions. I do. I very much agree with what you just said, though, because I think an intelligent person can recognize talent and understand it may not match their aesthetic personally, but it can still be good, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And people can try stuff and fail, but it's brave to try. Brave to try and worth trying, and, and, and it may not be a failure to other people. Exactly. And it also might encourage somebody else to try. And I'm really big on the community succeeding. I really, that's, I agree with you about the best worst thing. Um, because I don't want there to be losers. There's no reason for there to be losers. Like, yeah, it's why? not a competition. It's, exactly. it's just not. It's just not. That being said, there's a kind of an etiquette, I believe, that is missing. <laughs> mm. Um, From the way that events like this are produced, the way that they are advertised, the way that they are held. And there's a sort of a lack of respect that bothers me, um, which is what led Megan and I. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, Kim Kardashian, Marilyn Monroe, just get into it. Okay, so that dress is Jean-Louis was made bespoke to her exact measurements. Uh, I think it was 1961 or 1962. She wore it famously to sing happy birthday to 
JFK. This is shortly before he was murdered. Um, I'm not entirely certain if it's in the Smithsonian or owned by the Smithsonian. It might be in a private collection. But Kim Kardashian was the last one up the runway. Excuse me, not runway. Last one up the red carpet wearing the dress and proudly explained that when she made them bring it to her and it didn't fit, that she then starved herself for three weeks and then it fit. But it didn't At fit. At least she doesn't have scurvy. She ate tomatoes. I mean, yeah, well, I'm sure she has a dietitian and she's getting her blood work checked to make sure she's not going to die. But The, the messaging mean, is appalling. It is appalling. It is so beyond, I mean, I guess that's what I mean about etiquette. First of all, a massive portion of her audience is young women. I have a daughter. Megan has daughters. The last thing mm. that I want any young girl to hear is, you're too fat, stop eating. And that's Oh my gosh, and it's already happening for my nine-year-old. I mean... <sighs> <sighs> I mean, how do, it's so tone deaf. How do you not know who's buying all of your lip liner packs? And and okay, I've, Marilyn I've, I've, was notoriously curvy small. I'm right. You know. Because we need to give the uh, designer, uh, Jean Louis, or Jean Louis was the designer of that dress in 1962. Mm -hmm. And to answer the question of where is that dress housed, it's actually housed in Florida. At Ripley's, believe it or not, museum. Oh my God, that means it's Saint, Saint Augustine or South Florida. Uh, um, uh, I'm three hours uh, from Orlando. We can Orlando. have a heist. It's it's in it's in Orlando, Florida, at Ripley's, believe it or not, museum. Oh my God. Oh. So yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's it's um it's a piece of iconic it's history. Amazing. I'm surprised that it's not at at the. Uh, Smithsonian because it was worn specifically created specifically to wish uh, John F. Kennedy a happy birthday. Well, there's a lot how much stuff. cocoa butter do you think is in that lining? I don't. Now? I don't want to know. I don't want to know about cocoa huh? butter or coconut <laughs> oil or she, her her skin was sheening and I don't mm -hmm. believe that she's savvy enough to understand that she would ruin the silk with something as simple as oil. Uh, what do, What do you think, Rachel? Um, I think that regardless of how skinny you make yourself every single person has a different body type and so no matter how much you reduce your mass kim kardashian's body is never going to be the same shape as marilyn monroe's body and it was obvious and it was obvious making in that inner structure absolutely and benson to what you're saying i mean she was covered in self-tanner right like <gasps> I mean, yep. I get the idea of wanting to do something that's a showstopper. I understand wanting to not ever look like the masked death Balenciaga ever again. I'm pretty sure that's why the <laughs> dress code was as complicated as it was. <laughs> that's just my opinion. Um, but why not? find a ukrainian designer to recreate that dress for you and pay them well why not yes why not well, I, I, because it's kim kardashian and she's way too self-centered to care about 
a Ukrainian designer. I, I, why not find any designer? Right. No. Yes. Yes. True. Uh, I, we, we, we definitely want to mention Ukrainian designers because that's becoming a passion project for all of us, along with Jen Sittery, who, by the way, will be speaking with us about the project on Thursday. Awesome. Jen is amazing. So, um, you guys have that to look forward to, but, but this is exactly it. It was, it was her money and her quote unquote fame, whether you think it was deserved or not. She has been a brilliant tech, uh, 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 uh technician in plotting her, her rise, uh, television empire fame, what have you, um, uh, from the men she's married to the men she's divorced. Uh, it was that clout that got her into a position that bought her the opportunity to wear a dress that truly is a national treasure. It's Americana. It is. A it's Americana, right? <clears throat> and I mean, the implications of the story behind that dress, the whole innuendo about who maybe did what to who and <laughs> under what circumstances. Uh, oh, 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 right, 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 Like, I understand that that's fun. I get that, and I get that it's supposed to be a fun, sexy night. I just feel like it was so disrespectful. And I'm really worried about that dress. Dig, dig well, into that, darling. I, I want, uh, and remember, this is, this is, um, fuck it. There, I've said it, so now we're explicit. It's fashion fuck it hour. <laughs> fuck it hour. Um, fuck, fuck, fuck. So now we're explicit, and, and we are really about not curating or editing ourselves when we tell these truths. Why, specifically, was it disrespectful for Kim Kardashian to buy herself an opportunity to wear that dress. Dig into it. I want the I want the visceral. If you truth. like something, if you appreciate something, if you see value in it, and it is for sale, if someone is selling it, right? Buy it. Great. But to chase something down, to force to use money specifically or TV prowess or whatever to force that course of events into action it feels grotesque it's the kind of i mean of course she's a brilliant businesswoman of course she's made excellent decisions she's gorgeous she knows how to dress herself mostly um may i posit that what is so offensive about it is that she bought an opportunity to wear an iconic piece of american history for better branding why not buy a that, piece of american that history that is the most and that is the most repulsive part. It was just to raise her own branding. Well, and then you throw in her mother's dress coupled <laughs> with it, and it was extra offensive. Was her was her mom wearing a vintage dress too? Do you know? I'm looking right this second. I just I all I see was mad. So it was like this bright yellow, very evocative oh. <clears throat> of Jackie O. Um, the hair, the bob, very um, reminiscent, a definite nod. And it was just this very weird coupling um, of images. I, I, I can't even put it into well, perspective. Well, you know, they were trying to maneuver themselves into being as iconic and as historic and as important to fashion as both of those women were. And frankly, they're not. You know, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I have never bothered to write Anna Wintour a letter. I, I, I know people are on different sides of the fence about Anna Wintour. I think that she has done uh, an excellent job, although I don't always agree with her choices. And putting 
uh, Kardashian and West on the cover of Vogue actually caused me to write her a letter letting her know that she just needed to stop foisting um, celebrity on us as fashion icons because they are not. Well, they can't. Well, and as soon as I saw them, I'm like, this feels like a Wes Anderson movie. (laughs) No, you know, Megan, that is. What? Okay. You know, it it was the porn porn tape makes it to the cover of Vogue. And and I am not shaming her for the porn tape. Bloody brilliant. I wish my porn tape had done so well. Um, (laughs) It it did not. It was seen by, I don't know, only a thousand people, I'm sure, back in the 80s. But um, I I, I, no sex shaming. I'm not going to shame any woman who has made herself a success. I don't care how she got there. But you are now treading over deeply held um, um, history. This is this is our history. Okay, you know? so I'm looking at the page six article about the uh, Jenner dress. So just imagine this. You're somebody's mom and you're going to a party and you dress up like the you know, historic figure, the president's wife, a really famous, fashionable woman. Your daughter attends the same party dressed as a woman who maybe slept with your husband. (laughs) Okay, also, I think that we have to throw into this conversation because it's incredibly timely. We have new reports just recently surfaced about the death of Marilyn Monroe knowing that she was not actually found dead, that she died en route to a hospital and they returned her body to her home and staged it. That news, that having been in the news cycle within the last two weeks would have been all the more reason to decide not to wear the iconic gown. It's not respectful to Marilyn Monroe. It's not respectful to her legacy. It's not respectful to American history. It's not respectful to the Kennedys. Certainly, absolutely, not only not respectful, but disrespectful to the memory of Jackie O. Mm. Um, it, was a, it was a massive faux pas, and it was all done for um, hubris. It is. It's all about me, 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 yeah. me, 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 nobody else. And it's... I mean, that's, that's the worst part of it. Like, if you love the dress, buy the dress. Why is it not being donated to the Met? Why is it not part of the costume? Like, wear whatever you want. Save the dress. Like, I Say, well, well, you know, if you love the dress, respect the dress, please. My favorite thing in the entire world is the place in a Venn diagram where fine art and fashion overlap. I want to, like, live in that sliver. Right. And so much of the time, fashion gets written off as strictly being excess, as strictly being vanity, as strictly being, you know, unimportant. But it's one of the three top GDP producing whatever, whatever number thing for like every nation. (laughs) Every single person wears clothing and we all, you know, contribute to that specific economy. I think it's like just- Number one uh, of, um, employer in the world, number two or number three, depending on the year, GPD output. It's globally. insane. So to see something that's a part of history that could be protected and preserved so that when my five-year-old can go, you know, understand what she's looking at at a museum, it's just gross. <laughs> And, you know, I, I think that, that maybe diving into the the history of the Met Gala would be um, poignant at this time. Uh, uh, renowned fashion publicist Lambert 
began the Met Gala in 1948. Um, and it was basically started as um, an exhibit and a fundraiser for the Costume Institute, uh, which was begun um, sometime in 1960s. No, yep. 1946, if my history is correct, uh, and it and and uh, it it became part of the Metropolitan uh, Art Museum in like 1946. I mean, that's uh, you'd have to check the dates, and maybe Rachel, you can correct yeah, me on that. Uh, but, but this entire thing is to support historic costume, to support historic fashion. And by the way, folks, costume is not necessarily just a Hollywood word in Europe. Oh God, All fashion is considered costume. It's the way we dress ourselves. Uh -huh. um, so to to raise money for an historic collection of garments by denigrating an historic garment. Potentially is, destroying. Is, <laughs> potentially destroying it, depending on what she had on her body, uh -huh. is just, um, it's an aberration. It's gross. It is gross. It's really gross. And it's sad too. It's wasteful. Um, when you have a platform and an opportunity, if you really love a community, first of all, the theme makes zero sense. The whole thing, you have an American exhibition about American fashion, and then you theme the party to support it on an era when American women would not be seen dead in American designers, <laughs> anyone who could afford it was buying from Paris. Uh -huh. So, like, the whole thing is tone deaf. I mean, there's people. Yeah, well, yeah, it, 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 it always is. <laughs> and, and I, I mean, you know, it, but and, and yet it is all about the pomp and circumstance. I think that uh, in 2019, uh, the, the the last time they held it before uh, here in 2022. It raised a record fifteen million plus dollars for the Costume Institute. Brilliant! I I don't need oh, you no. to be necessarily have have the most sensical themes to raise the money. However, yeah. sometimes the tone deafness is is destructive and it is dangerous. Destructive and it is dangerous, and it perpetuates a lot of the things that we all find to be problematic within this industry that we love and want to improve. Um. When it started, it was a midnight dinner. I mean, they did one in Central Park at one point. Um, Eleanor Lambert, who is like my hero and I want to be her when I grow up, um, all of the work she did creating the CDA, CFDA, sorry, um, getting the international best dress list. She did so many things, but it was all based off of relationships and helping people. And I think Oscar de la Renta was her client. She found him wanted to promote him, believed in him. He couldn't afford to pay her. And I think she gave him like free work for like, I don't know, 10 years or something. And then when he made it big, he paid her back, right? Right. He, that she should have been paid. That's etiquette. That's what I want in fashion. I want mm -hmm. the right choice. <laughs> um, I want- And you know, the, the, the very sad truth is is that the the Met Gala is for the elite? It, you know. Oh no! Mm -hmm. Hey Benson, <clears throat> technology is so much fun, isn't it? It is. Oh, 
Uh, well, so he'll probably rejoin us here in a second. He'll send me a text message like, ah, dropped. So I can invite him actually while we're talking. Um, easy peasy. That's the nice thing about this particular um, podcast yeah, um, audio yeah. receptacle. It's a similar to one we use. If you want, I can fit, I can give you some background on the early costume institute. I love that. Okay. Please do that. All right. So it was originally the Museum of Costume Art founded in 1937 by a woman named Irene Lewison, um, which was a totally separate thing from the Met. Um, and I think it was 1946 that the Met, and this is in quotes here, with the financial support of the fashion industry merged with the Museum for Costume Art. Um, two years later, Eleanor Lambert organizes the first party, which she called the party of a year. But this is like a society event, like a I don't know, like the New York Times has a society page and there's a lunch and a bunch of ladies go. It was like that until Deanna Vreeland got involved in the 70s, but mm -hmm. it's been an institution for almost uh, 75 years, almost. It's So how long has Vogue been involved? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you want to, we want to go there? <laughs> talk about it gently. I have a lot okay. of opinions and I don't really want to be a mean person in the world or hurt me. Sure. But, um, so there were some complicated things that happened in fashion publishing in the 19, late, like 1960s, early 1970s. And at the end of it, Deanna Vreeland was sort of put in, not put in charge of money was found, um, to pay her to be a consultant to the Fashion Institute. And she's the person who really created the idea of a themed party based around the exhibition, which, you know, the themed party used to be mm -hmm. around the exhibition. Sure. Um, there's some really, really cool ones, like in uh, 1973, Spain, like the nation Spain, uh, sponsored the gala uh, on Balenciaga, which is an incredible, incredible book, if anyone can get their hands on it. Um, it wasn't until like 94, I think. That, no, no, Pat Buckley's last year was 1994, after Deanna Freeland died and Pat Buckley and her had co-chaired for like 16 years or something. Um, yeah, December 4th, 1995 was on its first show and she's the one who moved it to uh, spring, which didn't happen until 2001. The first one's April 28th. Condé wow. Nast and I don't know, the Met is the only exhibition expected to produce its own budget. They have to have a party. I get that. So do they generally invite people to be able to contribute to that operating budget or do people well, I mean, we donate their garments after? Um, I've never heard of anyone donating their garments. Dear God, I hope somebody is. Um, I know it's a lot of, so it's designers, right? So who are invited and by invited, it means you're buying a table, right? Probably, um, unless you're fancy enough that you don't, such things aren't expected, but we, you know, you can <laughs> look at page six. It will tell you how many hundreds of thousands of dollars a table costs, probably two or 300. Mm -hmm. um, if you are a designer, you're bringing a date. The date is your favorite celebrity, right? And God help you if you're not wearing your date's designs. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the whole guest list is pre-approved. Mm -hmm. Nobody is invited who is not 
deemed accessible. I mean, that's what Benson was saying. It is an elitist, iconoclast kind of a thing. And I mean, I have a problem with that personally as an institution. I don't think it should be that way. But I also don't think a museum should be expected to, you know, be profitable and still serve the community as a museum. Well, and like, personally, Gilded Glamour was not really a big surprise pick for me personally for what they chose to, you know, like, okay, so we're done with COVID. We could be changing things, but like, um, well, no, we, all right. We are going to change things. I mean, maybe, I don't know. There's this idea my dad talks about. He's a psychologist about how thing plants always bloom brightest right before they die. So maybe things will change. I don't mean like the industry is going to die, but just that maybe we can grow in a different direction. We can be in a different, better, healthier, saner, more respectful place with a little bit of etiquette. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, the healthy slash not healthy relationship that we as consumers have with the adoration of time and devotion to concept of a garment well, yeah. at these events, but then at the same time going, oh my God, I just got blah, blah, blah at H&M and it was $2. You want to talk mean, a little bit about that? Sure. <laughs> Do you have to, as an aside, your model, you okay? Yes. Um, so she should ring the doorbell okay. pretty soon. And, and then my dogs will kind of go um, nuts. Okay. So, <laughs> But maybe maybe this is something that we could pick up on again later, because I think it's really important because there is such a focus on this high fashion. Well, I mean, it's because Americans don't know how to sew. I swear to God, that's what it is. Um, we can't fix a button. I mean, you can, I can, Benson can, obviously. But people can't adjust the hems on their own garments. They throw things away because of zipper tears. Like, I'm not going to go through the work of replacing the zipper in a pair of jeans. But if I had to, I could, right? Yeah, if they were your favorite pair or you were, you know, deconstructing to be able to make a new one. Yeah. Um. So there's no respect for something if you don't have any understanding of it, right? Like, how could you? So mm -hmm. you don't know the work that goes into it. I mean, I have by hand, this is psychotic, made myself the support garments. I mean, I'm talking the petticoats, the stays, <laughs> the bustles, all the way through the ball gown of a 19th century gown from this one particular woman I'm obsessed with, all by hand. It is so much work. And mm -hmm. I do it because it brings me joy. But the same way that I'm certain someone who works in retail or who works in a restaurant approaches those environments as a customer differently because they know what the work is like right mm -hmm. i will you know sorry i lost track of it there it's okay well and like as you're talking i'm thinking oh my gosh i wonder like from a woo-woo energetic level like garments coming from this mass manufacturer mindset then has an energetic value being worn on your person. Oh, totally. There's got to be. As compared to something that has, you know, 600 hours worth of energy put into its creation and you wear it with pride and your chin is living, you know, like this whole thing, this whole persona changes um, with the garment. Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
intention matters and intention goes into stuff and mm-hmm. we are emotive creatures. I absolutely believe that, yeah, things can be made in the spirit of good or evil or happy or sad. And, you know, meat tastes bad if you torture an animal before you kill it. Right. It's true. And I, you know, I like listening to you and Benson talk um, and Benson's rebooting. He might rejoin us. He might not. Who knows? Um, But listening to y'all talk about um, Kim K and for me, you know, relating that to it's almost like her energy changed the garment. And that's what I'm upset about. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's important. Um, Yeah it changed that dress that's not the marilyn monroe kennedy dress anymore no and and even though she couldn't fill out the inner structure of the dress which was really apparent by the duck billing um that i just uh, i just she stole it 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 changed it energetically for me she stole it that's what she did hey benson yeah we can totally hear you yeah oh there are all- <laughs> it's pretty Than, than that very small circle of people do. So it's an important, it's an important part of fashion. It's an important educational tool, and they they, uh, and, and by they it, now it's pretty much uh, end of winter. Uh, they they she needs to be more selective with the types of themes that they choose, to be more proactive in continuing to support diversity and body positivity. That's that's the point I was going to make as I was so rudely cut off by my laptop you got rebooted (laughs) got rebooted there there's a wonderful beautiful institution that used to exist at the brooklyn museum called the edward c blum design laboratory which is like such an awesome concept i would highly encourage anybody listening to this to look up an article called the design laboratory written by robert riley um if the mission of the met was closer to this i would be i would be happier it's too much to explain (laughs) i'd be talking for 45 minutes Uh, i'll send you guys copies of it but please yeah no i i i I, as a person who designs high-end bespoke fashion that is basically american haute couture i think that it's something that needs to be addressed. I know when I am making a, a, a garment that, that takes me hundreds and hundreds of hours that it's not going to be purchased by a mom, a single mom with three kids um, living in the city. And that is that is an internal war that I often fight. I realize that I do this so that I can get the editorial attention so that I can make sales that will actually put that mom to work uh, in my studio. So there is a there is a given trade to the whole thing because we do, we do create jobs. And that is, that is, um, 
that is the way that I explain the elitism of it off to myself because I I'm much more um, I'm much more about inclusion than exclusion. Absolutely. And and high fashion is an exclusive crowd, and the Met is an exclusive crowd, and and those those that goes in the face of my my personal internal beliefs. And yet I understand that it serves the longer term, wider ranging goal of creating jobs that can bring people uh, into a, 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 a station in life where they can afford to live and own property and raise their children and take a vacation and have health insurance. So it's 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 a cycle that, that I think many of us are aware of. But um, when, when did the, uh, the fashion lab close in, in Brooklyn? Oh, um, hold on, I'm trying to send this thing to you guys. I'm going to open that. I can't do it right at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to say it's the 1970s, but give me one second. I'll give you the exact date. Oh, my God. Oh, hold on. I have to take that phone call, you guys. I'm sorry. No, take it. I'll, you know what? Megan's, Megan's on a phone call. I'll just uh, I'll just talk with myself. I'm so sorry. No, go, go for it. This is the thing that makes our, our podcast so very different than other people's is that we... we um, we don't want to edit and curate. So you're talking to three people who are in fashion. Two of us are designers. One of us is an incredible uh, fashion historian and fashion writer. Um, one of the designers, Miss Megan, has a bidding with a client. And uh, the fashion historian writer is now on a business phone call that she had to take. And this is, this is the nature of fashion. It is a very busy thing. It is a very all-consuming thing. And sometimes it's not as pretty or tidy or handy as we present it to be. So while I'm just sitting here babbling by myself, I would like to offer all of you the chance to find the entirety of the red carpet of the Met Gala 2022 and give us your opinions. What did you think was amazing? What did you think was a hit? What did you think was a miss? What did you think was savvy? What did you think was silly? Please do refrain from telling me what you thought was worse, because you may just be exposing us to your limited lack of uh, intelligence and general taste. I believe Miss Megan <laughs> might be back. I, I am. I was like, my lack of general taste. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, you, you know, I, I belong to so many fashion forums online in different capacities. And, and and invariably, there is the post with all of the most avant-garde wackadoodle fashion of the season making fun of it. And this infuriates me because just because you don't understand the statement being made, fashion is not just Target. It's not just Neiman's or Bergdorf's or or it's not. It's or Macy's or, or Walmart. Fashion is an art form. And, and we designers make statements much the way a painter will make a statement or a recording artist will make a statement. And, and to have people who are in my industry or the costume industry running down fashion just bums me the fuck out. You know, but okay, it doesn't have to be the way it is right now. The, what you were describing about how the fanciest, most expensive, you know, biggest named whatever yes it leads to jobs it leads to all of the positive things but that doesn't mean we can't make adjustments to make the whole system kinder and better and more inclusive and accessible 
I mean, I can't. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you are. But I, yes. you know, making it more possible for a kid to have a career where they can support themselves at a lifestyle they're happy with <laughs> based off of a skill, you know, that is useful in the world. Like, I don't know. I, I it could be better. And I think talking about and, and, better. And we're working on getting it better. Yeah. You know, we're not the only group of people who, who are are seeing the flaws in our system and who are addressing it from folks uh, uh, trying to come up with sustainable ways to make fashion. I, I just posted an amazing article about a group in Israel that is is doing a sustainable um, uh, uh, eco-friendly or uh, indigo dyeing. There are, there are people all over the planet that are trying to make it better. Absolutely. And, and, and these are. conversations are part of it. We have to we have to deal with the hard subjects. I mean, I, I'm okay with people taking me to task about why are you making $20,000 blouses um, instead of, you know, $2 affordable t-shirts? Yeah. Well, I do both. There's a cost to a $2 affordable t-shirt that people don't see. Mm -hmm. It's invisible. The labor is not being paid for. The treatment of the environment, the factory, the utilities to run it, the housing, the like everything that goes into that, there's no way. You can only scale things to a certain degree and then it's impossible. And, and you know, those those low price points are driven by the retailer. And we end up with situations like the Rona factory collapse. Uh, and I, I, you know, when people ask me, why can't I make it cheaper? I literally send them a, a, a video that's saved in my archives about the Rona factory collapse. And I tell them to get back to me when they've watched it. Uh, um, yeah. The fact of the matter <laughs> is, is that, that uh, there is so much blood in our industry, literal blood, mm -hmm. literal blood. Yeah. You know, uh, when, when everyone wanted to organically died this and that, and I would, I would ask people what they meant by that, because if it was on the planet, it was indeed from the planet. And so therefore was truly organic and polyester is made from oil and it doesn't get much more organic than the blood of the planet. So what do you, are you looking to feel good? And if you're looking to feel good, let's talk about where they dye those organic fabrics that you want to wrap your little sweet white beige baby in. Uh, they're, they're dyeing those in places where children as young as five years old are waiting in pools of cow piss to use the uric acid to set those organic dyes for you. And very often they die of dysentery or they drown. They get tied up in, in the fabrics that they're stirring through the, the pools of, of, of cow piss and they drown. Yep. Now, how good do you feel about that? I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's an invisible cost and we- There's a huge invisible cost. And it is not a $2 t-shirt. It is never a $2 t-shirt. And one of the things that I think that is the, the most positive change that I'm watching and of course, the the Americans are are leading on this. Uh, thank you, people like Tom Ford. Um, Tom Ford. We are we are taking the power out of the hands of retailers. We're doing more direct to um, uh, user. We're doing if it's been seen on the runway, it is now available to you. We're doing our own fulfillment. We're cutting out that retailer who wants that T-shirt that should cost a minimum of twelve dollars, minimum of twelve dollars. We're telling them you can no longer sell it for two. We will sell it for 12. I mean, it, I love it. I want the culture to want more of itself. I have really high expectations for myself and my work. My favorite people in the world are the ones who are not afraid to work, who love their work. I mean, I think that's why we all get along. Um, I'm better than what I see. I want fashion to feel like it is better than how it's acting. It, it's time for a Maya Angelou quote. Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better.
and we know better. And so we have to do better. I mean, trying, I, for many, many years, I've been saying I put all of my faith in tenacity. And I think you can only learn something by doing it 10,000 times. You can only learn something by doing it 10,000 times. You know, I, I one of the things that I still get pinged on the most, and I don't know uh, if Megan's still with us. I think she yep. may be. Um, and, and you may get pinged on this. When I do sample sizes and, and, and do editorial pictures, I'm using sample sizes. Now, my sample size, too, is actually a 6.8. <laughs> I, I, I don't do vanity sizing. So I'm doing a, a sample size, and it's generally for a woman who's over 5'10". Mm -hmm. um, and these are industry standards. And the reason that I do that is because I can show it in any city mm -hmm. in the world where there's a standard size model and it is going to fit. Mm -hmm. At those sizes, there are less body configurations. The body is not as uh, endomorphic or ectomorphic. It, it's, it's pretty much going to fit, except in the case of Kim Kardashian and the Mayor Levin Road monstrosity mm -hmm. that we just uh, we had our eyes raped. Oh my <laughs> that being said, I, 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 I get I get pinged. Well, you don't make clothes for real women. Number one, my models are real women. I don't deal with hair. I don't deal with anorexics. And you're a size. You're a sample size. Literally, you're a sample size. Uh, and, and you eat. I know you have pizza and bagels and Cheetos. Mm -hmm. um, and you have the occasional bonbon. And, and that's all good. So all women are real women. And really, when we talk about average sizing, except for the very lower end, the actual 42000, and the higher end, anything above a 28, everyone's kind of in the 8 to 12%. All sizes are average, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. So I tell them that I do this because I used to make garments for different size women and feature different size women. And all the people talked about were the different size women in my show. And you would happily take that dress and make it to the proportions of the per, the client that my clients are never a size two four mm -mm. eight ever because they can't afford me my clients are generally over 50 and they're incredibly successful women God. and so all of my clothing comes in all of the sizes mm -hmm. all of them right my ready-to-wear line is 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 literally an extra extra small to a 5x large i could dress a a a, a, a pickup truck and not be challenged by that. I'm size, I'm not size obsessed, I'm fit obsessed, right? I really do. So yes. There are things that we have to do in the business for the business. When I'm doing a gown that takes uh, 400 hours of work to do, and I do it in this size, but then I go to California and the model is different because I want a curvy model this time, mm -hmm. I've now got to recreate that gown for that body. And good luck finding that exact body again in Ever. Miami or Paris. Yeah. This is why we do the things that we do. Mm. Also, quite frankly, if I'm making it in a size eight as opposed to a size 16, it's half the labor yeah, and, the, and half the cost. Yeah. I mean, when the Second World War ended and the fashion industry got working again, they did not have the money to make even sample sizes. They didn't have the supplies. They didn't mm -hmm. have places to stage shows. So they use dolls. There's this collection of dolls I'm obsessed with. It comes after this. But in 1946 and 1947, the Haute Couture collections were shown on dolls that I'm looking at right now because I have them glued to my wall like a serial killer thing in a movie. Remind me to send you pictures of all my fashion. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but, you know, if you imagine the amount of fabric it takes to make an umbrella or a pair of gloves or a blouse, and then you make it one-third scale <laughs> like i mean i entirely hear what you're saying it absolutely makes economic sense and there's a difference between 
doing something coldly, cruelly for the economics and then doing it, Benson, like you're describing, making it realistic that your work can go and be seen and be sold and then have a client base that you can do it for in whatever size. I mean, and, and when you order from me, my sizes don't stop at a 12. I don't care what size. I mean, and, and I know Megan's the same way. Megan has yeah. done a bra that was like a, a, a 58 N mm-hmm. like it, it, it's all curves and straight lines. People, all bodies can be dressed and they don't teach this in fashion curriculum. The designers coming out of fashion schools by and large can dress their dress form. And that's unfortunate. But um, I have been body positive. I, I was using trans models, transsexual models, and, and um, models who, who were just, uh, we used to call them drag queens or men in drag. I have used models that were gay, straight, black, white, big, small, tall, short, my entire career. And, and uh, I finally understood that I could not afford to continue to do that. That does not mean that I don't do that. I still occasionally find somebody who is so amazing that is curvy that I make a gown for them because I know that their voice and their striking beauty is going to sell gowns. And more than likely, I'm going to give the gown to them because it's not a strict sample size and I can't necessarily have them travel with me everywhere I want to show the gown. Um, And I sometimes get very petite women who are just amazing and are completely proportionate. And in an editorial, you'd never know that they were 5'4", and I will downscale to fit them. This is not a firm rule, but it is generally a rule that that I follow because it is the commerce. This is a business. This is an industry. I need to make money, otherwise I have an incredibly expensive hobby. Oh, I... No, it is a business, but it, I, I'm sitting here listening to you. And I'm thinking about all of these useful skills. Um, you know, there's this idea that there's only three or four careers in fashion. You can be the model, you can be the editor, you can be the photographer. And everybody has to be everything for themselves until they can afford not to. And I mean, that's another sort of an etiquette thing, I guess, acknowledgement of that of the work, paying people what they deserve for what they- You know, when I, when I, when I start my classes uh, at university, when I start teaching, I will ask for a show of hands, how many of you are going to be couture designers? How many of you are mm-hmm. going to be menswear? And then I'll say, and how many of you are going to design children's socks? And no one lifts their hands. I said, how many of you are going to design adult diapers? How many of you are going to design medical wearables? And of course, <laughs> I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I say that the reality of this is people is that uh, all of those of you that raised your hands that think you're going to be couture designers, some of you are going to be sock designers, and some of you are going to design adult diapers, and some of you are going to design hospital gowns, and you're going to find that you love it. Yeah. Fashion and, and apparel is not the very, very small thing that you think it is. It's massive. It's a massive, complex industry. Uh, I mean, and that's such a beautiful thing. I get so much joy out of my work. I mean, that's one of my biggest goals with my kid. I want her, I don't care if it's basketball, I don't care if it's science, I don't care what that is. I want her to find work she loves because I think when people do work they love, they're better humans. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I and I tell, I tell the students, you'll hear adults, um, most of them successful white people tell you to chase your bliss. And that's a lovely concept. What I'm going to tell you is a little more realistic and that is don't take a job that you hate. Yeah. 
Seriously. If, if, if you take a job that you hate, you're going to be a detriment to the company and to your own mental and spiritual and physical health. So at the very least, never work a job that you hate. You may not be able to chase your bliss, but you can get close. You can find a job that brings you fulfillment, happiness, and enough finances to actually live a life. I didn't know you had a five-year-old. You have to see my new children's life. Oh my God, I do. It was, it was co-designed by my, my um, spirit daughter uh, between the ages of three and six. Oh my she God. was actually my co-designer on it. All of my genes are dominant, like every single one of them. She looks exactly like me in every. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> we'll have to get you both tomorrow. Oh my God. I want to do, mo do mommy daughter. <laughs> and you know, you have, you have two littles too, Megan. That's something I was, hey, here we go on a tangent. I was going to broach that with you. I've got stuff that I need photographed. If you've got somebody in Denver that can photograph, let me send you a box of girl stuff. Um, oh my and, gosh, they would and, love and, and to open that box. <laughs> it's all super duper duper adult and fancy because Abigail at three would say, B, I don't want to wear kittens. That's for babies. Oh my God, I um, love this child. Right, right. Well, no, the young people are so, I mean, they're sitting and watching the world through dad and mom's uh, phone. She's very cool. So, um, yeah. But I, I made it all so that it's washable. As super fancy as it is, you cannot wash the, the Cinderella costume and have it last. So, they're all super fancy and shiny and wonderful. They can all be washed. And I've cut them all so that a child uh, who uh, you, you purchased it for them at three, that child can wear them till they're eight. It just becomes a top and a oh, pair of crop cool. leggings as opposed to a dress with uh, ankle length oh, leggings. That's so because I under, I, my, both of my sisters were single moms with deadbeat dads. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to make clothing that mom could uh, uh, Sorry, uh, wash them. and dry and that was going to last for years. It's not going to be outgrown. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the line, uh, it's, it's sort of an empire waist, but it's not really an empire waist. On a younger girl, it's down near her tummy. Mm -hmm. Still looks super cute. On a taller girl, it becomes more empire waist and now it's a top. So they don't have to throw them away every six months. And, and that's the kind of sustainable I'm looking for in fashion mm -hmm. in general. It's super helpful <laughs> buying clothes for 12 minutes that you don't get to wear yourself isn't as much fun as you might think. <laughs> it is not as much fun as you might think, exactly. Well, and especially, I don't know if this has happened to you, Rachel, where you pick something out that you look inside at the seams and you're like, okay, this is well-made, this is super cute, and then your kid hates it. Oh my God, I've saved so much of that. I've got little duffel bags and <sighs> stuff, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm also having the problem, like my kid is tall and we're clo mm. closer and closer to my size. <laughs> oh, at some point she's going to, I don't know, just I have to like get a she'll lock. She'll take your wardrobe. I'm just thinking I need locks. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my goodness. I love her, but dear God. Well, I yeah. will tell you, the closest I ever came was having an ex who had the same shoe size and I could never, ever have shoes to myself ever again. Oh. I had a girlfriend in college and we were the same size so we could share wardrobes, but she was a half shoe size larger than I was. So I could wear her shoes, but she could never wear mine. <laughs> so that sorry. Worked, that, worked, that worked out well for both of you. <laughs> it's okay though. You know, I figured I'm, 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 I'm sucking this man's body parts. I can't be too grossed out that his feet have been in my shoes. I mean, what the, what the hell, right? I've sucked on his toes for God's sake. I'm not really, <laughs> Am I really that prissy that his foot having been in my shoe is gross? 
And so I got over it. But, you know, he was harder on shoots than I was. No, and <laughs> this woman is a wonderful friend and a very good person. It's just a silly coincidence. Um, you didn't right. suck on her toes, did you? <laughs> I mean, college. I'm kidding. That, um, that, could be, that could be a whole different conversation. <gasps> no, I mean... <laughs> We don't you know, talk I, about what happens in college. Yeah. I'm here for the dirt, sister. I'm totally here for the dirt. No, no. We've got three, three uh, incredibly intelligent, uh, well-versed people in fashion. Can you imagine how much dirt we could actually talk about? I met her in fashion school. I met her in Chicago. <clears throat> we know each other. Yay. I slept with several professors at FIT. <laughs> oh, every male art teacher I've ever had. Every, right? Hello. Um, anyway. I hope I hope none of my university students are actually listening to this. Oh my god! But I will tell you, I had students trying to get into my pants, and I was like, inappropriate. Oh, well, I'm not even in your school or your classes. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Both of it's my parents are academics. It's so yeah. It's such a weird world. Such it's a weird world. I'm like, you're you're hot for teacher. That's awesome. I believe in appropriateness. Mm -hmm. If you ever find yourself in Detroit and I bump into you someplace. We can talk about that, but uh, I, you, you, we will not be stooping on the campus. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, it's not like you're the English department. I am not the English or nor the theater, <laughs> nor the theater department. Oh, theater kids. Yeah, yeah you know, so I, I didn't feel so bad because I was that horny kid seducing professors, but I am much more appropriate than my professors and teachers were. You have to. I mean, that helps. You know, I have ethics. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know. It's, yeah. Anyway, what a fun conversation. <laughs> now listen, before you go, though, before you go, yeah. um, I am going to open the second can of worms of the day. Okay. And I'm going to give you what, what we're going to go forward when we have a guest, the final word. I am going to say a name, and I want you to tell me how you really feel. Oh, God. Anna Wintour. <gasps> I would like her to retire. Can you tell me why? Um, even if she was a force of good, I don't think she is any longer. Can you explain that? Yeah, sorry, I'm trying to think about the right way to say this. We don't have insurance, so be careful. <laughs> no, exactly what I'm thinking. I've worked for lawyers way too long, and not now, but like, you can't spend a decade working for lawyers and not think about liability. We well, and I think that, that I think the pause about... is really, really telling about what is going on in, in in the industry, and why we started this to begin with was just to crack a little bit of light in there. And so, if you, Rachel, if you're like, hey, I'm just cracking light, guys. <laughs> What we have learned in a very short time, Rachel, is that we we don't have to talk about the person. We can talk about the mechanics around them. Okay, so then I don't believe that it's ethical for a multinational company like Condé Nast to have such an intrinsic relationship with a museum, which is supposed to be a public space, even if it's funded through donations and whatever else. And it is part of the uh, en engine that drives body dysmorphia. It the is machine. Part of the that, that drives a, a lot more than magazines and fashion. And you are absolutely right. I think that, that I'm not going to press any further, but um, I thank you for that. Thank you for being willing. 
Yeah, I think no, you're being daring enough to tell your truth. I mean, I just this applies. Her dress was a dog, by the way. It was a dog, <laughs> not her best, not the worst, but I, I it let me down. Oh. Uh, Miss Wintour, I thought that your dress was a little bit um, sad and and silly. I, I mean, and I've seen sale sequin <laughs> fabric. <laughs> And I probably would have said yes to if it was a really good sale on that mm -hmm. fabric. I, like, but that's the nicest thing I can say about that. I'm hoping that we find out that she had an eye infection and could not see. <laughs> it looks fabulous. It's very blurry. It because looks fabulous. I, I, I will tell you, I, I, I have always thought that she was so elegant and so tasteful. Oh. And when I saw what happened last night, I was like, whoa, honey, you should have chosen black. <laughs> As much as you hated it, would have been a better choice. Anyway, that having been said, that's my last caddy word. Uh, Megan, do you have a last word? <laughs> no, no. That that was pretty much um, it for me. That you know, that it just didn't read um, glamour. Um, I believe the way that she thought that it did. Um, although it took a long time to do that fabric, I just don't. It was not a very current design or it wasn't a very um, well thought out proportion for her body type. I just was not impressed. You know, if this was Project Runway, I would have told her designer, I'm just afraid of what Nina will say. Mm. Like there's a taste level problem with whoever did that. It, I just, um, I think that the work is exquisite. I just think that the overall impact and effect was less than I would have expected from uh, Anna. It could have worked without the cape. Mm. <laughs> it would have worked better with a burka over it well and you know like yeah. mushrooms are really coming into fashion again <laughs> so it was kind of it kind of reminded me of that <laughs> no just it, it, it was lacking in taste uh and and execution i don't like that she's wearing a crown that Oh, I said that, didn't I, Benson? That's exactly what Megan said. But, but you know, then when we look at the fact that it's a family heirloom, I get no, that, but it, it's the same. What thing. are you really saying? No, and she knows what she's saying. She is an intelligent woman. She, she's an incredibly intelligent. She puts woman. thought into everything, and she makes calculated, pragmatic decisions. And I admire that ferociously. It means something. You know who we we haven't talked about at all today, and I'm going to be embarrassed because I can't call her name. Uh, the beautiful Native American model who was wearing Native jewelry along with her uh, outfitter gown, um, running horse possibly, uh, and she said it was good that you you that I'm finally able to be seen here, but I should have been here all along. Mm. Do you know who I'm talking about? I, I cannot pronounce her name, and I really don't want to say it because I don't want to be an asshole. Um, but <laughs> spelled well, capital Q U A N N A H chasing horse. Kwana chasing horse. There you go. Uh, gorgeous model. I would love to work with you if you're out there, Kwana. And uh, thank you for representing and thank you for wearing that amazing oh, she, uh, native jewelry. And you gorgeous. were one of the most striking moments of the entire night for me. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, I'm done. Yeah, Rachel, uh, thank you so much for taking um, an hour of your time today. We love it. No, it was fun, random. 
Right. <laughs> and, and listen, uh, we, we, would, we would like to have you and, uh, and your partner uh, come for um, an actual uh, interview. I've been composing questions for oh, both of you. And then uh, one day, perhaps as uh, advanced fashion disruption, you'll have Megan and I uh, on your podcast to interview us about this project. So yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, we, we, we've been talking about um, some group projects. We Megan was on our show last year, Benson, you did our when we're working on uh for now it's uh I think we're may 24th i think we're gonna try to release yay, yay. um i'll definitely let you know but no i'd love to have a conversation with you and megan and jonathan i think that would be amazing and it'll have to be a two-hour special and we could actually run it on both podcasts everyone <laughs> has to have wine i'm sorry <laughs> wine or in my case tequila whatever something <laughs> Oh, I love you both. You guys are just a delight in my life. Megan, you are, you're a long-term uh, a light that has shined through some of my darkest times. And Miss Rachel, you have become a new light that I am quite fond of. Thank you so much. It means so much to have both of you in my life. I greatly, greatly improved. Oh, fuck. It's turning into a mutual admiration society, okay? It's like masturbating. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening today to Advanced Fashion Disruption. You can find all of our podcasts at advancedfashiondisruption.com. And uh, extra, extra special stuttering over my words, thank you to Rachel Elspeth Gross. You can find all of the projects she's currently working on at rachelelspeth.com. And uh, join us next time. Maybe we won't be so horrified. Maybe we will. <laughs>